It's time for the Steelman and Thune at Noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. It is a Monday. Welcome in. Hope your Christmas went well. And welcome back. Steel Man and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Parker, how was your uh, how was your Christmas, your Nebraska Christmas? Well, it wasn't snowy or even really chilly, Mike. It was exactly – honestly, I'm very disappointed in the Nebraska climate for Christmas 2021 because it was like – it wasn't warm, but it also wasn't like that – affirming Christmas chill you know mm-hmm. it was like 45 50 degrees two straight days no snow on the ground rainy one day it's just it didn't feel like Christmas from a climate perspective no I hear but, you and we've got another weather week uh coming up where we've got temperatures in the 70s until uh early Saturday morning when we're gonna have uh, freezing temps Saturday and Sunday so it's gonna be changing over the weekend but uh until Friday it's still gonna feel like um Almost like spring out there. The air is not quite the same, but it still uh, doesn't feel right, does it? It does not. doesn't feel right. And you were dreaming of a Cornhusker Christmas, (laughs) something like that. Who would sing that? Bob Devaney back in the day? Uh, Probably that. I mean, the Cornhuskers haven't had a reason to celebrate Christmas in like five years. No, they have not. Absolutely not. Uh, most of their seasons have been like the uh, the lump of coal in the stocking recently, it seems like. Mike, you want to know what? I was in high school last time Nebraska played a bowl game. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Well, even if they were playing a bowl game, they wouldn't be in a big bowl game, obviously, this year. And it might be canceled because a lot of these games are getting canceled. Can we quit testing people who are vaccinated and who don't have symptoms? Because this seems like an endless cycle to me. It's crazy, right? You know what's crazy for me to think about, Mike, is that I had COVID two years ago to the day. December 27th, 2019, I was coming down with COVID. Of course, I didn't know it at the time because COVID was still so brand new. Right. But we've legitimately been doing this for two full years. You know, and look, I'm a pro-vaccine guy. I had both shots and the booster. But if you don't have symptoms and if you're vaccinated, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. It's crazy. It seems like this is just going to go. I mean, we're going to be in the year 2027. Well, uh, certainly the uh, NBA will have three games canceled tonight because somebody's got the sniffles. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm not saying that we're completely through this. But we need to adjust some of these protocols. Absolutely, because the protocols haven't been adjusted. They haven't. They haven't adapted at all. And the situation that we were in 18 months ago when those protocols were established, Mike, is not the situation we're in now. There was no vaccine. It's it's like the NCAA. They don't change with the times, right? There's no flexibility. (laughs) And that's why, you know, you're seeing these bowl games. Canceled, and now you've got Alabama not doing a, a – I guess it was an immediate – they said it was a media viewing. Is that like practice or yeah, it's an just availability? Like, it's just like a portion of practice that's right. open for the media to come and roam the sidelines and, they close and get that. pictures and video. 
Yeah. We had uh, BC and East Carolina cancel their game today, the Military Bowl. We have the game between Western Michigan and Nevada going on right now, and uh, Western Michigan up 31-10 to 10 at halftime in that game in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, down there in Detroit or up there in Detroit. Some people pronounce, you know, like Detroit, Michigan, Detroit. And Durant, Oklahoma is what? Durant. Down there in Durant. I've never been to Detroit. Have you, Mike? I have been to Detroit. And you know what I did? An arena football game in Detroit. Believe <laughs> no it or not. way. Yes, absolutely. I can't I just, even remember the name I of the franchise. Knew, but Somehow I knew asking that question we were going to get a good story out of that. Speaking of arena football, I saw the, uh, the Kurt Warner movie. By the way, speaking of arena football, I didn't know the USFL is coming back. But the apparently USFL it is. is back, yes. So what? which arena league was it? I mean, it was when the Oklahoma Wranglers were still around, and I can't remember the name of the Detroit uh, entry. I can't even believe, thinking back, that they had an arena football team. But we were there. We were there. So they have an arena football team back where I'm from in Omaha. It's called the Omaha Beef. Really? That's the name of the hmm. team, is the Omaha Beef. I remember going to a beef game once. I was probably six years old. It's amazing to me that these arena football teams can stay solvent and stay in existence for as long as they do because yeah. just like, honestly, who who takes time out of their evening to go watch arena football? I am not a People who really, really, really love so-called football or some form of football and really like to drink beer. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it as well. See, I'm not a beer drinker, so there's legitimately no reason for me to show up to an indoor football game. But the uh, the Kurt Warner movie, and I knew it was going to be a sports cliche movie. You know Kurt Warner's story already, but I, there are a few bits and pieces I didn't know. It's worth seeing. It's not bad. It's not going to win any Oscars or anything, but it's a, it's a feel-good movie. It's a feel-good story. It's one of those movies I was waiting for people in the audience to clap in the theater. Oh, gosh. After it was over, and I'm like, they're going to clap, aren't they? They didn't clap, which, again, that's one of my things. If it's the live theater, of course you applaud. But when you're applauding after a movie, that's very bizarre to me. They can't hear you. The weirdest movie that I've been to at the end was uh, Saving Private Ryan. I still haven't seen that. That movie, I'm telling you, people were, like, glued to their seats. They couldn't get (laughs) up and leave for, like, five minutes. You know, men everywhere crying like babies. It was a, it's a great movie. And if you've had anybody who served in the military that, um, you know, lost their life in, in combat or just, you know, if you just had somebody who served, it, it affects you deeply. But I can remember that movie. Literally, it's like the credits rolled, theater's still dark, the lights come up, and people are just kind of sitting there. And then they finally start to meander out. But it took a while. So, anyway. All right, we fired up the Sooners in Oregon coming up Wednesday, 8-15 in San Antonio. Are you ready for some Alamo Bowl action? Here is the interim head coach, Bob Stoops, talking about this matchup being a tough challenge against Oregon. You know, I was on hand to watch Oregon beat Ohio State in the in the horseshoe. So, really a good, solid football team. Um both lines of scrimmage are really strong. Their offensive line, their defensive line, both interior D linemen were first team all Pac-12 uh, players. Uh, one of their linebackers, Sewell, great player, number one, and Verone McKinley, a safety for them, is a first team All-American. So uh, 
On offense, uh, Travis Dye, they, they love to run the football. They're, they've been great running the football, and that's when they've been at their best. So we're going to have to do a really good job of defending the run game. Anthony Brown, their quarterback, can also run a little bit. It is a good good running the football. So, uh, But anyway, you know, they're also going through a coaching transition. So that's going to be a little bit different for, for both teams. Um, you know, so anyway, um, you know, we're just focused on – OU being our best, you know, getting ready to play, practicing, and being at our best on, on the 29th. Do we get two so anyways in there? You got a but anyway and then a so anyway. And I think maybe you did get an actual another so anyway in there also. So so anyway, uh, Travis Dye, the running back, yeah, good player. Oregon, remember they were able to run the football effectively against Ohio State. Ohio State's defense could not stop them that day early in the season. They were without Kayvon Thibodeau. They're great defensive linemen, of course, who opted out for the NFL. So, Oregon's had a bunch of opt-outs. I mean, these are two teams, again, with a bunch of opt-outs. And uh, they've got new coaches, Dan Lanning with the Ducks, Brent Venables with Oklahoma, and they've got interim coaches leading uh, the respective teams into this game. So, how do we know what's going to happen? Look, you never know what's going to happen in the game, but I'm talking about trying to – set a line for this game the Sooners are a four and a half point favorite you just don't know but what Bob was talking about the biggest concern that I would have would be the offensive and defensive line for Oregon particularly with what the Sooners are missing with Perry on Winfrey Isaiah Thomas uh, Nick Benito on their defensive line and obviously Brian Asamoa at uh, linebacker so gonna be interesting Brian Odom is uh, coordinating the Sooners defense and then he'll go Join uh, Muleshoe out in L.A. once again with the Trojans out at SC. But Odom is, uh, you know, doing his duty, coaching for the Sooners. And, again, he's basically the defensive coordinator for this game. Here he is talking about the Oregon offense. Oregon is going to be a tremendous challenge for us on the defense side of the ball. Um, I've always had a lot of great respect for the offense at Oregon um, and how they do things and how they've done it in the past. I faced them uh, multiple years when I worked in the Pac-12 conference. Um, they um, have always you know, done a lot of things with speed. Um, they've always had a quarterback that's been able to run the ball. Um, this year in particular, their offensive line is probably one of the best offensive line we played all year, uh, if not the best. Um, they do a great job up front. Uh, I really actually like watching the running back play. He plays very, very hard. There you go, talking about uh, Travis Dye. So the Sooners... There is an uh, offensive availability in San Antonio at the Alamo Bowl today. We made. You think we're going to hear from Caleb Williams? Do we know yet? Yeah, Caleb Williams is not on the availability list, so no, he will not be one of the representatives. I'll be interested to see though if they make him available after the bowl game, especially if he performs well, because uh, Marvin Mims got to talk after the uh, the Cotton Bowl last year. He was the first true freshman to get to talk all year, so. Maybe once the bowl game ends, maybe that's when we finally get to publicly hear from Caleb Williams. We'll see. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody's still wondering what Caleb Williams is going to do. We both think he's going to stay, but it's not a definite uh, thing yet. But I would be really surprised if we don't see Caleb Williams playing uh, quarterback for the Sooners next year. You know who's unbelievable? Who's that? Pat Fields. This guy, he's so good. 
well, he's a he's a very bright guy. Obviously, a tremendous scholar, and he's been up for all these awards. But this is the kind of kid you want representing your program. And I know, no doubt, at times he has had some issues, you know, back there. And you know, that's that that happens when you're playing in the defensive backfield, more so for corners, but safeties, it happens as well. But he's had a good, solid career at Oklahoma, and he has represented the university with total class. This is Patrick Fields yesterday talking about how cool it's been playing, actually, for Bob Stoops. Uh, just having Coach Stoops as a coach, you know, I think it raises the intensity, the competition of practice, and I think all of us, we kind of just want to play up to the standard that he that he set. You know what I mean? It's like we're playing for a legend, so everybody has to take and elevate their game to the next level. And I think he's been he's been pretty cool with us. You know, we got to negotiate, you know, our curfew and all that, so he's been very cool with us. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, he doesn't really have to take it out of us. I think we want to, like, elevate our game because we're playing for him, if that makes sense. So he doesn't even have to, you know, come crazy. It's just everybody wants to, like, live up to the legend status of him. So everybody's kind of taking their games to the next level. That kid is going to go a long way in life. Yes, he will. And Whatever he does, if it's, you know, maybe he gets a shot in the NFL and makes a roster, but whatever he does, he's going to be highly successful. And he's one of those guys that you can't fault him for wanting to be done with college football when he has an extra year if he wants to use it, just because, like you said, there's a life beyond football that guys have to live, and Pat Fields already has his eye on life beyond football. And like you said, he's going to be – tremendously successful in whatever he chooses to do because he's just got that type of personality. Yeah, he does. No doubt about it. All right, welcome in in our first hour here on uh, this Monday, and we hope you had a great Christmas. As always, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, our friend Tim Lasher and his great company. Uh, Hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We will read all of your texts, or as many as we can get to. All right, when we get back, another portal delivery for the Sooners coming from the Pac-12. We'll get into that. And Baker Mayfield, it might be the end of the road in Cleveland. It looks like it's the end of the road for him in Cleveland. We'll get into that when we get back. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Okay, I hope your holiday is going well. It's another uh, four-day work week for uh, most people out there. Kind of a a four-and-a-half-day work week. You're headed to uh, San Antonio after the show tomorrow? That is correct. Uh, Do you have your uh, hotel stay all ready to go and everything? Everything's booked? Got it all lined up. Got it all lined up. Haven't been down to San Antonio in a minute. So. Motel 6 for you again or what? <laughs> they leaving the light on for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, believe me, like recruiting trips, you stay in some crappy motels when you're out on the road and those things. But no, for bowl games, like I generally uh, do my best to acquire some upscale accommodations. Not necessarily upscale, but reasonably... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Places with amenities. Mm-hmm. There you go. I, t- I tell you no. what, go, driving to the Elite 11 in July, or I guess it would have been late June of 2020, to cover Caleb Williams in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I stayed the night at a hotel in Memphis, 
me and my college roommate at the time. And we, I, I legitimately don't know if that hotel room had been touched in 10 years, Mike. Whatever, so was it a motel hotel, or a hotel? Did the door open to the outside? It was a hotel. Okay. And whatever pictures they had shown me when I booked the hotel on the internet, they definitely did not line up with the accommodations that we had because, my goodness. Bed bugs? Like, well, I don't think there were bed bugs. <laughs> but then again, who knows? I, the mattresses were basically like, I mean, they were about as comfortable as lying on graham crackers. Ooh. The shower curtain was falling off in the bathroom. There was no soap or anything. I think there were. I think there was one towel. <laughs> it was just like, it, it literally, and it all just smelled like cigarette smoke too. It was like horror movie meets sitcom. You know, believe it or not, one year going to Augusta, we uh, we didn't know if we were going to go to the Masters or not. One year, so at the last minute, he decided, yeah, we're we're going to be able to go. We got a sponsor. We're going. So these rooms are booked for, you know, months. Sometimes, you know, people rent houses there. Um, and we couldn't find a hotel room in Augusta. But I can't remember the name of the town that's outside of Augusta. Fort Sumner or something like that. There, there's, a, there's a fort just outside of Augusta. So we found a hotel there. And I'm telling you, this was the kind of hotel, if you've seen Breaking Bad, like the Jesse Pinkman and his buddies would have stayed in. I mean, we were happy to have any accommodations to be able to go to Augusta, but we didn't know if we would live through the night to get to Augusta. It was Heisenberg Central, man. There was meth people. Meth people. <laughs> meth and people. There were meth people. <laughs> it was a total uh, meth. Could have called that episode Mike and the Meth People. It was, uh, was kind of scary, and I don't even think you could totally lock the door you could shut it but you couldn't lock it oh that's scary so it was um it was interesting. people and no locks on the doors yeah, hey to get to the augusta national golf club that that you know, sounds like you a gotta make episode you right gotta there. make sacrifices to get there okay uh new sooner coming through the portal it is mccade mattire right mattire yep from Cal, three-year starter at right guard and uh this is on the heels of the sooners getting Tied in Daniel Parker from Missouri last week. So we're seeing some portal action for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, how about that notion that Brent Venables wasn't going to use the transfer portal, right? And granted, he he kind of came out and said that he wasn't going to heavily rely on it. But then you heard him say in his press conference on signing day, look, we will use the portal. We're already looking to vet and initiate conversations with some guys that we have our eyes on. And... There was going to have to be some compromise there, right? Especially if you're wanting to coach at a high-end Power 5 institution like Oklahoma that aspires to be in the national championship conversation every single year. You're going to have to adapt with the game, right? It goes back to what we were talking about last segment with the NCAA and COVID-19 protocols. You have to yeah, you no, have no, no. to adapt. You've got to uh, use the portal. You know, you don't have to use it all the time. I mean, Muleshoe had, you know, he was Mr. Portal, right? It was like the Atlanta airport. People were coming and going all the time. <laughs> now, in Parker and Mattire, you get two guys that are multi-year Power 5 starters. Mattire is an interesting case because he was only a three-star prospect coming out of high school in the class of 2019. Gets to Cal, and he's played every single game of his career there. He has played all 29 games over the last three seasons, started 28 of them. Only his college debut, the very first game of his college career. That's the only game 
that Cal has played since 2019 that McCade Mattire has not started in. Impressive. Now, he was second team all Pac-12 this year. He was on the preseason watch list for the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award. So this is a guy that can play ball. This is not a guy that you're bringing in for the sake of depth. Now, that's not to say he's going to start because there will naturally be a lot of competition. And I do expect that guys like Bray Walker and guys like Savion Bird will make a jump once they're in Jerry Schmidt's workout regimen and make things interesting. But it's like it's like what you got in Robert Conjol last cycle and Chris Murray the cycle before that. Common denominator there, all those guys are from the Pac-12, by the way. But you bring in an offensive lineman with plenty of experience whom you know you can plug into a starting role if necessary, but, and this is a very important button, it's one that I cite often, when you're looking for guys in the portal, you want to get guys where you know they can play, but you also want to get guys that aren't going to raise hell if they don't start. Yeah, and aren't in the lineup. Well, and and be a cancer. The big guy last year in the portal was Wanye Morris, and he didn't pan out, or he hasn't panned out. Has right? not panned out, and he was all SEC, and he was preseason all Big Twelve, <laughs> and he didn't play a whole lot. No, he did not. So you never know. But look, um, you know, the kid again. He started twenty nine games, so it looks like a good get through the portal. But you just never know. Yeah. By the way, folks asking via the Air Comfort Solutions text line how many years of eligibility he has left, so he'll have two years. Of eligibility, so he used uh, 2019 and 2021 are essentially serve as his freshman and sophomore years, right? And then the 2020 season is a wash because of COVID. So two years of eligibility remaining. For you know what I'm looking forward to with the offensive line is not just a Bill Biedenbow offensive line, but a Jerry Schmidt offensive and line. That's the X factor. You know, I, I think that um, you know the the OU offensive line was very inconsistent last year. I mean, what was the last great offensive line at Oklahoma that dominated? The four guys who went to the NFL that buried uh, uh, Brecken Hager. Brecken Hager, that's right. I need to be constantly reminded. He's like Jimmy Hoffa. He's under the field in a football stadium. He's still there at Arlington Stadium, right, just like six feet under the ground because they killed him in that Big 12 championship Yeah, but, I mean, you talk about the guys that – Jerry Schmidt and Bill Biedenboe combined to turn out mm-hmm. over the final few years of Schmidt's tenure. You're talking about Orlando Brown, yep. Drew Samia, Bobby Evans. I don't know whether you want to classify Creed Humphrey among that group just based on the age discrepancy there, but uh, Ben Powers as well. So essentially you were – and then you got Cody Ford, who was a second-round draft pick. So you were six deep at that point with high-end NFL talent on the offensive line. And Oklahoma hasn't put an offensive lineman in the NFL since. I guess if you want to count Adrian Ely, who's currently on a practice squad to be named later, right? But with the exception of the guys that Schmitty developed with, obviously, with, with the oversight of Beatonbow, then they have not churned one out in the Benny Wiley regime. Well, that's because Benny Wiley's like sweating to the oldies workout, right? I mean, Jerry Schmidt trains men. Benny Wiley was Mule Shoes Boy, reality TV guy. And really, he traded Jerry Schmidt for Benny Wiley. By the way, uh, folks asking via the Air Comfort Solutions text line about Mattire's brother, who is a quarterback prospect in the class of 2024 and will be a big name. Interesting. Will be a big name. He's already got offers from Florida, Arkansas. Georgia Tech, Arizona State, handful of others. 
but he's a guy that is gaining steam on the recruiting trail. Mechanically, uh, he still needs some work, but you know he's a sophomore in high school. He's going to get better, and this is maybe this maybe gives you the inclination that Oklahoma might be in the running eventually for the younger Matire. Mabry is his name, by the way. Mabry Matire is the 2024 quarterback. All right, uh, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, Friday night, New Year's Eve. It is going to be huge. It's going to be gigantic. It's going to be colossal. It's going to be Godzilla-sized. They have a huge giveaway. It is the $100,000 red carpet rollout happening on Friday, on New Year's Eve. Hopefully, you play with your wild card throughout the month on Sundays. Got some extra entries for the big drawing Friday night, 6 to 11.30. Not only will they call out 33 names between 6 and 11.30 and have a bunch of uh, cash and bonus play to give away, they'll have four, that's right, four grand prize winners selected to win over $2,000 in cash and bonus play. And then they'll have one grand prize winner drawn out. Just before midnight as well, will be selected to win at least $25,000 in cash and bonus play. So make a night out of it. It's going to be festive. It's going to be fun. You know Riverwind does it upright. Red carpet rollout, the $100,000 red carpet rollout happening New Year's Eve at Riverwind with the drawing 6 to 1130 and the grand prize winners announced just before midnight. All right, Baker, not good, not good. Is his time in Cleveland almost over? We'll talk about that when we get back. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Is it over for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland? Sure seems that way, Mike. Man, that would... Look, you can talk about there was PI on the last play, no doubt about isn't it. Isn't it crazy? And on a couple that, of them, but those were two horrible picks. Also, isn't it crazy that what spells the end of Baker Mayfield's tenure in Cleveland might be the exact same thing that spelled the end of Mule Shoes' tenure at Oklahoma, which is a missed pass interference call? Yeah. Or if it goes the other true. way, maybe you're looking at a different outcome. Because if the Browns win that game on the road in Lambeau, Mike, oh, it's huge. All of a sudden, they're in position to win the AFC North potentially. If they you know beat what? the Bengals, they in week can 17. still win it. They now can. they're not going to. The Bengals yesterday, huge win. Zach Taylor, man, great job. Forty-one twenty-one. They take down the uh, the Ravens. Joe Burrow throwing for over four hundred yards or five hundred yards and four TDs. Joe Mixon had a touchdown. But uh, it was amazing that the Browns were in that game with a great chance to win it. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, is um, he's good at protecting the football. Baker, not so good. And uh, the Packers win on Saturday, 24-22. And you thought, man, they, why weren't they running the football more with three timeouts? They averaged nine yards a carry. You would think as much headway as they were making by simply handing the ball to Nick Chubb, they would continue to simply hand the ball to Nick Chubb. Now, I don't know how much of it has to deal with the, has to do with the fact that Chris Nagger had missed a field goal earlier in the game and an extra point. So you maybe don't want to put things in the hands of your kicker if you don't have to. But at the end of the day, you got to have a little bit of faith. Yeah. Right? you got to yeah. have a, faith, a little bit of faith in a guy that was a Lou Groza finalist. That you signed to who was their it was Chase McLaughlin was kicking for them. They signed Chris Nagger to replace Chase McLaughlin. And in that situation, look, 
especially with the way that Baker Mayfield had kind of put the ball in harm's way <laughs> several times throughout the course of that game. Oh, there should have been at least one other one picked, right? Well, and given, like I said, the fact that Nick Chubb was making a ton of headway on the ground, it would have made a lot more sense there for the Browns to stick with the run. No you doubt saw about it. it on no their doubt. T- you saw it on their touchdown drive in the closing minutes, right? We're on third and ten. They run a sweep to the right with Dearness Johnson, and he goes for maybe thirty and a first and goal, and then they score a couple plays later. You want to hear from a rando YouTube guy on the Browns? Uh, I love rando YouTube guy. This is kind of uh, the sentiment right now in Cleveland. Here's rando YouTube guy talking about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, I speak for every fan of the Cleveland Browns across this world. Get surgery and get the f- out of Cleveland. You are absolutely a cancer and you are horrible at the game of football. You single-handedly, with your selfishness, insistence on playing through this stupid injury, have destroyed the Cleveland Browns season with your petulant, childlike antics. I need to play. It's my team. You should have went to coach and said you can't play because Lord knows you suck. This injury has made you worse than you actually are, and you've killed our season. So get out of Cleveland. You're not going to be here next year. Nobody, they're trading you. We're going to trade you to somebody because we're moving on from you. You're horrible. (laughs) Wow. I need to play. It's my team. Listen, let's just come out and say it, okay? And I said this at the time as someone who's experienced a torn labrum. Baker Mayfield should have gotten surgery. Yes, I he believe. Gotten I, I think you're right too. And I do think he was trying to prove, man, I'm tough. I can play through this. I got, you know, I got to show him, and that may have cost him. Um, by the way, Baker said after the game that he was not happy with his performance either. Just frustrating. Uh, I don't think it was uh, anything preparation-wise, mentally. It was just. Uh, Missed throws, un- uncharacteristic, and I-, I hurt this team. So that's that's the most frustrating thing for me because I thought our defense played uh, tremendous against a really really good offense. Uh, but when you turn the ball over uh, on your own territory in the red zone and around midfield and give them extra opportunities, they're going to take advantage of it. I mean, uh, it's just uh, who they are. Man, oh, sometimes you reach a moment where. Everything's on the line, right? Whether it's a big job interview or a big test, you know, whether you're in high school or college or whatever, and you think that was it. And, you know, barring some miraculous, you know, Baker throws for five TDs against the Steelers and four TDs against the Bengals and somehow the Browns win the division and get the playoffs, that's probably it for him, don't you think? No, I 100% concur, and I remember tweeting in the fourth quarter of that game, look, Baker Mayfield effectively has two drives, in my evaluation, to determine whether he's going to be the Browns' starting quarterback in 2022 or not. And he made great strides with the first drive, and it looked for all the world there like it was all in the Browns' hands. Like maybe there was destiny at play when Devontae Adams dropped that pass wide open down the sideline and gave the ball back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You figured, okay, maybe Baker is about to keep this thing rolling. But, alas, Miss P.I., another interception, and here we are. Look, it's now, it has come time for me to once again get up on my soapbox and emphasize that Browns fans that want to get rid of Baker Mayfield, be careful what you wish for. Because 
That is an organization that dealt with two full decades of instability and, at best, mediocrity, at worst, abysmal play at the quarterback position before Baker Mayfield showed the up. The three years prior to Baker, the Browns were 4-44. and 44. Exactly. So, I understand that Baker Mayfield has probably not played up to the potential or the billing that he received as your number one overall draft pick thus far. However, I would also say, and I don't know how hot of a take this is, I would say there's been a lot more good than bad from Baker Mayfield over his four years in Cleveland. And if you decide, if the front office executives and the people that push the buttons decide that they're going to move on from Baker, they better make dang sure, Mike, that whatever backup plan they have, whether that is a draft pick or a quarterback acquired in free agency, they better make dang sure that they are 100% convinced that their next quarterback is going to be an upgrade over Baker Mayfield because the worst position an NFL organization can be in is a position where they are wandering the wilderness at the quarterback position. And that's why the Browns were the laughing stock of the NFL for 20 years. It's because they were in that position every single year. Other teams go through it for a little while. Buffalo had gone through it for a prolonged period of time until Josh Allen showed up, right? And so every so often you see a team undergo a three- to five-year window maybe where there's no clear answer as to who their long-term answer is at quarterback. That was the position that the Browns were in, Mike, for literally as long as I had been alive since Baker Mayfield got to Cleveland. So, How many great quarterbacks have the Browns had over the history of their franchise? Otto Graham, Bernie Kosar, maybe Brian Sype. Is that it? Am I leaving somebody out? I mean, Baker... You know, one of the pro- two problems for Baker, number one, he wasn't like picked 16th overall in the first round. He was picked number one. Yes. Also, um, he has regressed. It looked like he was on a career trajectory, rookie year, passing touchdowns record for a rookie. Second year, kind of came back at the end of the year. Uh, wasn't a good second year. Last year, towards the end of the season, played really well. Didn't have a great overall year, but towards the end of the season, played really well. Took him to the playoffs. And you're thinking, all right, Baker has gone through the wilderness. He's he's maybe there. Maybe he's arrived where they want him to be. And it just hasn't happened this year. And you can talk about injuries to him, injuries to the Browns. I mean, everything that could possibly hinder him from being where he needs to be right now happened. But he also hindered himself with some really bad decisions uh, his footwork was pretty bad. I was hearing people talk about that, and he kind of he was throwing off balance. It seems to me like because one, he's hurt, and two, I think this stuff has gotten in his head. And I think he's a very tough kid. But if you know your future's on the line, I mean, that, there's been a lot of extra pressure on him. There's no doubt about it. So if Baker is done in Cleveland. Is he done as a starter in the NFL? No, absolutely not. You know and I, so? I really do think worst-case scenario, you see Baker Mayfield follow the Ryan Tannehill career trajectory and go somewhere as a backup for a couple years. And then he will resurface, and he'll get a second crack at a starting job. And I would be inclined to believe that <laughs> really anywhere outside of Cleveland, he will be successful. Maybe not elite. No one would accuse Ryan Tannehill of being elite. But... 
I think Baker Mayfield still absolutely has the long-term potential to be successful at the quarterback position in the NFL. Do you think that Progressive will do an eviction uh, commercial? <laughs> oh, gosh. He, they he, should. He would, that would be awesome. He now, wouldn't do it. He probably but. wouldn't, but that would be good. So, I don't know. It looks like uh, he's going to have to say goodbye to his buddy Alice Cooper over there at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Seems that way. All right, uh, we'll talk. Wasn't a good uh, game for P- Kyler Murray either, man. The Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury. What are you doing, dude? They're talking about Cliff Kingsbury maybe losing his job, possibly. Really? Maybe. They just clinched a playoff berth for the first time I in six years. No, but still, they're very angry. See, once you raise expectations, Josh. things change. And that's what Baker did in Cleveland, too. All right, we're coming right back. We'll talk a little uh, amazing uh, – Stat last night from the Thunder game. It was a victory over the Pelicans. We'll talk about that and more coming up next. Keep it here. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. All right, welcome back. Okay, I'm missing this one. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, we get that. I should have known. We just did the sound clip. My favorite press conference moment of the weekend, the New England Patriots lose a heartbreaking game, very big game, to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo leading uh, that uh, division now in the AFC. 33-21 was the final Saturday night. You know that Bill Belichick doesn't handle losses very well, and then in the postgame press conference we had this. Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week. <laughs> Mad props to Bill Belichick, because I, if I, I was I in Bill Belichick's shoes, I would have lost my mind. I'm wondering if that reporter, uh, you know, Maybe Bill Belichick, I, I don't know who the reporter was. Can we play the soundbite again? Because you're thinking, my only thought is Belichick didn't blow a gasket because maybe she's like supermodel gorgeous and he thought maybe you should, could come over to the office and we'd do resolutions or something because he would have imploded if a man would have asked that question, right? Maybe it was somebody that's not generally on the beat. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is somebody, I don't know, that he knows – but I don't know. I, I was just shocked again. One more time, please. Hi. Um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Yeah. No, not right now. Okay. Thanks. Maybe next week. But he, sa- he basically said, get with me next week right there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, there's just there's so much at play there. Who else? Uh, Nick Saban would have been great in that situation. Uh, old school Bob Stoops, maybe asked by John Hoover <laughs> think it's that a question. question. How about if John Hoover had asked Bob Stoops oh, you know, that I'm question? Gonna, I'm going to text John and offer to Venmo him a sizable amount of money if he'll ask that question to Bob Stoops at the presser tomorrow. That was a stupid question then. <laughs> Still stupid question now, okay? <laughs> Stoops versus Hoover was always, that was not quite Ollie Frazier, but it was pretty good back in the day. So I've heard. 
Yeah, it was pretty good. All right, uh, but yeah, that was very surprising that Bill Belichick didn't completely go crazy with that. By the way, the uh, ref has a great contest happening right now, our Bowl Mania contest, brought to you by Cavens Construction Group for facilities maintenance, commercial remodeling, and carpet cleaning. Call Cavens today at 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405 651 3439, always available to you. Cleveland fans are the effing worst, says one listener. You know, the two things that I will go to on Twitter to see the reactions to, there are two (laughs) things right now. What do you think they are? Two things that I'll read the responses to. A mule shoe tweet? Yes. Anything with USC football and mule shoe or Baker Mayfield on game day. Because the Sooner fans destroy any USC football tweet still, which I'm in favor of. Um, And uh, the Cleveland fans are, you know, for a while, I got to tell you, Parker, it was about 50-50 for a while. You know, I'm sticking with number six. He's done a lot for us. And that look, and you can't ever realistically evaluate how a fan base feels completely off Twitter responses because they're reactionary. People don't have to. There's no accountability, hardly, because nobody has the real name out there. If you have your name on a tweet, your real name, maybe you have a little bit. But if you're a Browns fan, 742, you know, you can say whatever. And, you know, people may come after you, but they have no idea who you are and what you're all about. But um, they're frustrated because, again, the, the expectations were way up here, right? Good question via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. What are some teams that we could see Baker ending up with next season if, as it looks, he leaves Cleveland? I think New Orleans New is probably or- the most intriguing New one. New Orleans would be with Sean Payton. Is Carolina, are they sold on Sam Darnold? You can't be sold on him. I don't feel like Cam can't Newton be sold came on back, him. right? Exactly. And he's not looked good at all. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Detroit, maybe? Of course, Detroit is a quarterback hellhole, so. I don't wish that situation upon anyone, least of all Baker Mayfield. What if Ben Roethlisberger retires? Yeah, I mean, no, he is retiring, and that's yeah. that's and intriguing. Then, because Then you have, how about a Baker v. Mason Rudolph <laughs> battle for the starting quarterback? And Baker job? would win that easily. Yeah, but I mean, Pittsburgh's going to need a new quarterback. All the rumors are that Russell Wilson is on his way out of Seattle, so maybe there's an opening there. Texans? That's the thing, is that, and you throw in the Texans, there are always so many moving pieces on the NFL quarterback carousel. Denver? Denver's another place. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is... You can't help but feel for Teddy Bridgewater. He's such a good guy. He is a good guy. Has had his career beset by injury. The Giants are bringing back Daniel Jones, apparently. (laughs) Washington football team. Depends on how much faith you got in old uh, Taylor Heineke. Mm-hmm. There, the, the point is, there are landing spots. I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to sign somewhere to be a backup. I think he will sign somewhere where he at least has a chance to compete for starting duty. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Very interesting to see. How about Baker and Pittsburgh? I wouldn't hate that. They got some receivers. Don't think it'll happen, though. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank our friend Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems, bringing you the first hour of Steel Man and Thune here on The Ref. We've got another award-winning hour to go. And uh, Shannon Sharp, Rip Baker Mayfield, too. We'll have that for you coming up. 
Keep it here on the ref. She tells me all the time, you know she said so. Have you It's time for the Steelman and Thune at noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Jumping straight into hour number two. Welcome in. Hope everybody had a, a very Merry Christmas out there. Enjoyed uh, some time with friends and family. Uh, was it uh, was it total gluttony for you with your meal, or did you uh, were you disciplined? No, it wasn't total gluttony. Um, Close to total I gluttony? Just, did no, you? I honestly, I didn't have the inclination to eat as much as I did at Thanksgiving. So I just, I ate a perfectly normal amount of food, and then I was good. I went and took a nap. Man, you're getting old already. Don't remind me. So, uh, so we had uh, we had steaks, very very nice. Oh, you're a steaks on Christmas type of family. Well, we went mm, steaks on Christmas this that's time. That's a good call. Little that's Caesar a good call. salad, sweet potatoes, baked potato, all the veggies you could handle. Really good, excellent. So, anyway. Um, but it was uh, it, it was uh, it was a good Christmas. My wife, she was the MVP. She made everybody's Christmas better because she does Christmas like everything else she does first class. So thank you, Shay. You were you're the real MVP. <laughs> oh, how long has it been since anyone in Oklahoma thought back to that soundbite? Kevin Durant, like I said, sent a gigantic Christmas card to Lincoln Riley that just said thanks, bro. <laughs> Wait a minute, hey, mule bo- shoe. They both bolted for Cali. They did. How about that? <sighs> they got the hankering for the uh, the warm winds and the neighborhoods of crazy liberals. Who was, uh, it was uh, Jamar Kane, right, has been responding a little bit on Twitter. Yes, to that's people. right. Was he trying to defend mule shoe there for a minute? Because somebody said, Coach, we love you, but mule shoe, you know, that you know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> I he, didn't see anything. He came back effect, with but... something like, I make my own decisions or something like that. Don't talk about my man like that or so it, it was I don't know. It, it was a weird deal. Has he been destroyed with any tweets lately? I haven't seen any from – No, because, I mean, he hasn't tweeted. Yeah. USC football – USC posted a TikTok that was like, all we want for Christmas is for OU fans to leave us alone. I did see that, yes. And the last one I saw that was related to Muleshoe was uh, – it was tweeted out by USC football. He tweeted one out, too, and turned the comments off, where unless you're, like, approved by Lincoln Riley, you know, you cannot comment. But you can quote tweet it. So yeah, the OU the fans are all over that. Twitter has no way to block the quote tweets unless you block the person. And there are way too many Sooner fans out there for Muleshoe to block. He's going to find some assistant. Well, would that be Clark Stroud? Clark, hey, find all the irate OU fans and block them all. Has anybody Do heard you know, from Clark Stroud? No, Is because he, he deleted his there? Twitter. I also didn't realize that Benny Wiley deleted his Twitter, too. <laughs> I mean, they went about it the easy way. I don't know if it's the smart way, 
but certainly the easy way because now they don't have to worry about getting flamed on social media publicly for who knows how long till they decide to reinstate their social media accounts, which might be never. It was interesting on uh, the Clark Stroud deal because it was about 50-50. Oh, my gosh, I'm heartbroken that Clark Stroud is gone. You know, uh-huh. and then it was a, that guy was the biggest attention-seeking D-bag of all time. What are you talking about? You know, I mean, it was literally split down the middle. This might be a first in the history of college football. OU fans might be the first fan base to force a head coach or rather to ratio a head coach into never tweeting again and ratioing two of his assistants into simply deleting their Twitter accounts. Yeah, I, I can't think of It's been some impressive work by Sooner Nation. I'm just petty enough to still enjoy it. I, I thought that I might be moving past my pettiness by this stage, but I'm not, I'm not close yet. That means I'm I'm a small person, aren't I? You got to really? get to the new year, Mike. Just make Maybe that make it. that your New Year's resolution. Get over a mule shoe. <laughs> Who is it? One of the shows the other day took uh, two back-to-back calls. I, it, you know, it was maybe in Tyler and Teddy. I can't remember. And I was, or maybe I had flipped around a little bit during a commercial. I can't remember. It's my head spinning during the holidays, but. Back-to-back calls, uh, Coach Muleshoe, and then somebody else called him Muleshoe. <laughs> now, Tebow is clearly number one, and I think Muleshoe is a distant number two, but... Hey, that's us, Mike. Well, you know, it's... And who was it? One of our uh, one of our great uh, people on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, because we were calling him the Muleshoe Weasel, and he said, you know, it just sounds better as Muleshoe, and he was right. Simpler. It's kind of like... You know, when uh, when Zuckerberg had Facebook, it started out as the Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. And the dude tightened things up, make Sean, it more spittable. Sean Parker said, no, just Facebook. Sean Parker, a.k.a. Justin Timberlake, right? That's right, yeah, the social mm, That's network. a good movie. It is a good movie. And little did they know it was such a hip, cool thing at the time, and now it's been taken over into just a political civil war is what it's become. And they're responsible for so much misinformation on both sides. And they don't care because as long as people are clicking on the left or the right on whatever misinformation on either side, they don't care. Yeah, we just said the aliens are coming to cure COVID. (laughs) It got 4.2 million (laughs) likes in one hour and 900,000 comments. But that's BS. Yeah, but they're clicking on it. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? You know the whole the whole metaverse thing recently? Mm-hmm. Have you seen all of this? It's astonishing. Like that is that is a step backwards for society. Wait a minute. If it all I comes thought, to fruition. I thought Fortnite was creating the metaverse. Is it now Mark Zuckerberg? No, I like I think it's Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Cuz I think isn't Facebook Meta now? Didn't they like change their branding? What? Yeah. Did they really? So they went away? Seriously? Well, I mean like the corporation that is Facebook, not oh, the site okay, that is Facebook. Yeah. Well, I mean, Facebook like owns Instagram now, right? Facebook owns everything. So we watched, uh, this is uh, this is your entertainment, so-called entertainment uh, segment here, folks. Thank you, by the way, to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, X72, for a great deal on a car or truck. The Axis and allies of the 21st century are Amazon and Facebook. 
You decide which is which. Yeah, that's true. But so what was the name of the movie? We It was new on Netflix this weekend. Don't Look Up. Meryl Streep plays the president. Jonah Hill plays uh, the president's son. He's like the, you know, the press secretary guy. Hilarious. Then you have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. And the plot, I won't give it away, is they discover that a uh, comet is on the way to the Earth, and they do the math on it. And basically, Earth has six months. And it's basically a commentary on how people didn't even take it seriously. They don't care. They're still looking at their tweets and looking at social media and, you know, laughing about it. Then it becomes a political deal. And it's basically a commentary on society about all the stupid stuff that really doesn't amount to much that we spend time on. And then when something really serious comes along, you still can't get people's attention. So it's kind of a, uh, in a way, it's kind of a black comedy, but it's it's overly long, but it's worth watching. Pretty okay, good. I'll add that to, Don't the, look uh, up. to the queue. Don't look up. So there you go. So anyway, okay, uh, Sooners and Oregon, on the scale of 1 to 10, the excitement scale, where are you for this Alamo Bowl matchup? I'm pretty high because... The Bob Stoops factor? Because Bob Stoops, yeah, that's right. Like, I have never covered a game in which Bob Stoops has coached. So that, to me, is the most exciting aspect of this whole game, followed closely by the opportunity to see what Caleb Williams does and how he performs. Because I really do think that his performance in this football game could go a long way towards determining whether he goes or whether he stays. Really? You think that much is on I, it? Just because, think about this, Mike. If he goes out on Wednesday and throws for 350 yards and five touchdowns, and he's hoisting that trophy, and Sooner Nation is giving him all the love on social media. All right? And he starts to feel that love, and he realizes, man, I really am the king of this town. I would be inclined to believe that goes further towards factoring into his decision than if he were to go out there and throw for 175 yards, a touchdown, and a couple picks, and everybody's on social media saying, well, he can stay or go. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and look, kids are a lot more influenced by that. There's no doubt about it. Do I think this is a huge part of his decision? You know, I think if it's extremes, like you mentioned, like if he has a really bad game and maybe throws a pick six that turns the tide in the game or something like that, uh, perhaps that plays a role. But I'm with you. If he has a great game and is like the MVP, then uh, that certainly would enhance his chances quite a bit. But, you know, I think it, it would have to go to the extreme on either side. Well, exactly. And as much as people don't want to – as much as people want to disavow the notion that emotions play into decisions like these, they absolutely do. At that age? Are you kidding me? In uh, the transitory college football world we're living in where, you you know, you can be one place one minute and the next place the next day. Absolutely. But you know what? I think Caleb Williams is a pretty darn bright kid. And I think that his, he is. his family's raised him well. And I think he will make a pretty good decision. You've heard all this stuff about uh, his folks are also looking to buy a home here. You've heard that buzz. Yeah. So, they were house shopping when mm-hmm. they got the call at Meal Shoe was leaving. Yeah. Can somebody give them like a free mansion? I mean, maybe. Make it happen. Yeah. I mean, just, I a, like, just a free mansion. Hey, hey, That's all we're looking for. It's an NIL deal, Mike. Mm-hmm. 
just to have Caleb Williams appear in a real estate commercial, and then all of a sudden, boom, his yeah. family's got a free mansion, right? You can write anything off these days as long as you operate it under the guise of, oh, it's an NIL deal. I don't know. Don't don't take what I said as gospel because I'm just talking. I'm not actually sharing any legitimate knowledge on the subject. I don't know how it all works. Don't be, like, totally shocked if that comes to fruition. <laughs> I'll take credit for it if it does. No, I'm just saying, don't be totally shocked. So uh, there you go. All right, uh, we're going to hear from some Sooner players and uh, Brian Odom again. Baker Mayfield getting destroyed today on the uh, Talking Head shows early in the morning. You know the ones I'm talking about, and you knew that was coming. And if you haven't heard from Irade Brown's fan, we'll play that back for you as well. But the Thunder, man, how about what Josh Giddy did last night? Very unusual. We'll talk about that and more when we get back right here on The Ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. All right, we are back. Leon Bridges, big time. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I am uh, looking at ESPN right now. Guess what they're doing already? What are they doing already? End of the year stuff. What was the biggest story? We're not going to do end of the year stuff, right? It's too generic. Unless you really want to do end of the year stuff. I mean, are you talking about like looking back on the year 2021? Yeah. Like, most impressive X of 2021. I mean, uh, yeah, that's kind of cliche. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot in 2021 oh. to look back on in terms of Oklahoma football. Yeah, maybe we could do it for OU football. Oh, man. But to rehash all that has happened over the course of this calendar year that has never been seen or done before. I mean, what a year that was. this football program. It's crazy. I thought the uh, Joe Mixon year was really crazy, too. By the way... Remember Bob Stoops, they suspended him for a year. And Bob Stoops got a lot of heat for that. But he didn't give up on the kid, right? Mm-hmm. And Joe Mixon, that it was a horrible deal. And I was one of those saying, man, he should not be at OU. You want to give him another start? You don't want to give up? That's fine. Let him go to UCLA or wherever. But not Oklahoma. And but they suspended him for a year. It's not like he didn't get any punishment, but yeah, it's turned out to be a good uh, a good situation. Yeah, absolutely. And to Joe Mixon's credit, like what he did was, was horrible, appalling. Yeah, no question yeah. about it. But he owned up to it and addressed it like a man. He was contrite about it, and he did everything the right way in the aftermath. And obviously, he didn't do everything the right way as it pertained to the situation itself. But in the aftermath. I think he demonstrated that he deserved another chance, or at least that he was going to steward that second chance well, which he did, and he has, and he's having a ton of success now with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and there have been, uh, look, our Dusty Dvorak, who was here for a while, has turned into an excellent broadcaster, and obviously he got a second chance too. People didn't give up on him. Sometimes we do some stupid, really crazy things, heat of the moment as human beings, Hopefully you never do anything that hospitalizes somebody like those two situations. Uh, But still, um, 
things worked out well. So, and Joe Mixon had a touchdown yesterday, and the Bengals went over the Ravens. So two of them, two. Yeah, that's right. He did have two. And Joe Burrow threw four. They oh he, boy, Joe Mike. Burrow five hundred twenty-five yards, four TDs, breaking Boomer Esiason's uh, Bengals record for a game. And of we course, gotta, Aaron Rodgers got Brett Favre's touchdown record in Green Bay over the weekend. We might have a little quasi Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs going on in Cincinnati right now. Think so? That's the way things are trending. Yeah. So many talented receivers, a running back that's borderline unstoppable when he's at his best, and a quarterback who is as efficient and as stable as they come in Joe Burrow. Yeah, Cincinnati's got something. That's a team that can make a run and a deep one come playoff time. And How about Zach Taylor, man? He's got to be, I mean, he's got to be in line for Coach of the Year. Who are your Coach of the Year candidates? Zach Taylor's going to be – if you have the Bengals at 8-7 and seven leading your division, or 9-6, and six, they are I think actually. Mike McCarthy has to be in the conversation. Yeah, the Cowboys look good. Dallas. That defense was great, 11-4 and four for Dallas. They absolutely destroyed the uh, Washington football team last night. But if you're talking about teams that exceeded expectations by a mile, right, it's Cincinnati and then it's everybody else because nobody envisioned that they would be in the hunt for a playoff spot or on the verge of winning a division, which they can do with a win next week. I mean, that was a team that had their quarterback coming off a catastrophic knee injury, Mm -hmm. right? A young, unproven head coach that nobody was really sure what to make of, and legitimate questions as it surrounded the defense. And for them to be sitting right now at, what, 9-6 and through 15 games? Absolutely masterful job by Zach Taylor. He's my coach of the year. Sherwood's boy, Norman High School, uh, went originally to uh, Wake Forest and then ended up at Nebraska, of course. And uh, you know who was in the running, too, for a while, who looked like the front runner was uh, Cliff Kingsbury. They started, what, 7-0? 7-0, and now they lost 5-8. of eight. Man. Ron Rivera was making a nice push as well. He was. Yeah, he was. But I, to me, it's Zach Taylor. It's got to be Zach Taylor. All right, uh, Sooners are a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this Alamo game, and you said – you know, you're you're kind of intrigued because of Bob Stoops. Um, you know, all the opt-outs and everything also makes it just unpredictable uh, to see how these teams are going to play. And you've got, you know, Brian Odom calling the defense, K.O. Gundy calling the offense. It just It's a totally different situation. Uh, Deshaun White was asked at the presser yesterday, does this actually feel anything like a normal bowl game? I don't know if any of the last few months have been, like, normal. Um, but I would say that um, for me it's been about really just enjoying the moment, um, embracing all the opportunities I have with my uh, teammates, uh, the coaches, like um, just spending a lot of time with them on and off the field. Um, it's, it's as simple as that to me, you know, um, just trying to make the best of every situation with this team, you know, and we got one last one to go after, and that's the one we're focused on. And honestly just can't wait to be able to go out there and, and hit the field with these guys. There you go. And Deshaun White is one of those guys, again, that will have a decision to make. We did learn Woody Washington. I don't know how big of a question, but Woody Washington said yesterday he's coming back. He will be back. And that's fortuitous for Oklahoma because I I just want to emphasize that was not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. That was not a guarantee. And that that right there was a Brent Venables special. Not to say that Brent Venables talked him out of jumping early to the NFL, but that is to say that the fact that Brent Venables was the guy hired for the job played into Woody Washington's decision to come back. And again, the the defensive staff is still not totally complete. So you've got a D-line coach, right, to get, and a corners coach. Both of those front runners for those jobs are playoff in 
That's correct. Coaching in the playoffs, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. So you can go ahead, Google it up, figure it out, okay? (laughs) Uh, Brian Odom, by the way, again, coming back. He's on Muleshoe's staff at SC, but he is going to be – came back to coach the Sooners. He and uh, Calvin Thibodeau and Jamar Kane coming back to help out. And um, one of the questions he was asked, you know, he had to go up against Caleb Williams in practices, uh, you know, quite a bit. And Brian Odom said that he was uh, impressed with Caleb Williams pretty early on. Being able to go against uh, Caleb Williams, I just, you know, go back to, to spring ball. And one of our linebackers named Shane Witter. Shane's one of the fastest guys on the whole team, okay? Shane was playing a position where he would be responsible for the quarterback on a quarter on the zone read. Caleb outran him to the sideline, and I was really confused about, I thought Shane wouldn't give him great effort because of uh, Caleb beat him to the sideline. Come to find out, Caleb Williams runs about 21 miles an hour, so he's obviously a threat uh, when he carries the ball. He's got a tremendous release. Uh, the thing I do like about Caleb, though, is his energy and uh, his leadership ability from the quarterback position and just being able to to be a likable guy. And, and a lot of times you can kind of measure that when your own when my own son goes up there and he goes to practice. And he goes and, sh- and you know, handshake or dap up my, my, my 12-year-old son. So, and he doesn't necessarily know that that's my son, but he's just, that's kind of who he is. So, um, I think he's a special one. There you go. What do you think you run uh, miles per hour, miles per hour wise? 21 for Caleb Williams? <laughs> oh, gosh. I think I'd probably be in the six, seven miles per hour range, maybe. <sighs> Let's see. I actually, me and my uh, college roommates, our last year at college, were screwing around, and this is a couple years ago now, but. Uh, we decided to just run at timed 40s just for the heck of it. Um, and I'm pretty sure I ran like a 4.8. So, what? Really? Yeah. So, like, I, well, your nose is growing right now. <laughs> it's still growing. 4.8, right? <laughs> yeah. I, obviously, I don't know if I could run a 4.8 right now today, but mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, that's where I, I bet I could get up. Gosh, I don't know what miles per hour translates to as far as like a 40 time. But what does Rich Eisen I I normally could, run? <laughs> Do we know? <laughs> oh, no, I, I certainly couldn't tell right, you. I mean, you might be able to run a 4.8. I'm not going to. Okay. Yeah, I think I could get up north of 15. I'd say 15. If I can cross the 15-mile-an-hour threshold, I'm cool with that. There's not an app to translate 40 times into miles per hour. There's got to be one somewhere. Oh, I, I guarantee there is. I don't have it. but By the way, the uh, Sooners, again, are a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Oregon. 8-15 kickoff. That is going to be a late night for you, man. Going to be a late night for me, but you've got post game. It's going to be a late night for everybody. That's crazy. Man. I can't. I don't know that I've covered a game with a kickoff that late. By the way, uh, Travis Dye, the stud running back for Oregon, uh, looking at a picture of him, like his official uh, picture on ESPN, uh, because he is the leading rusher for the Oregon Ducks. And uh, was mentioned by Bob Stoops earlier that, you know, that he's a really good player. He looks a little bit like uh, Isaac the bartender from the Love Boats. You're way too young to remember the Love Boats. Yeah, I was about to say. But if you're as you old as me, me just look it up. Travis Die, like on ESPN, go to teams, go to the stats for Oregon, click on Travis Die, cl- you know, minimize that window, and then do a search for Isaac the bartender from the Love Boat. Same guy. 
Look like the same guy. I'll take your word for it, Mike. All right. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for bringing you our second hour here on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Yes, Seth Wadley and the uh, folks there in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great deal on a car or a truck. There we go. I could play this. You and I should start a two-piece band. Really? It's been a long time since I played it, but yes. I mean, it's power chords, pretty much. So I'm down. Let's make it happen. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming right back here on The Ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Uh, yes, with or without Baker Mayfield uh, next year. What do you think? I, mean, I think we were pretty – I think we were on the same page earlier. Without? I think the Browns are going to be without him, <laughs> which I think is probably – it's a win for Baker Mayfield. I really so? do believe that. Why yeah. Why do you feel that way? It's because, like, the way that fan base has turned on him. One of our listeners on the Air Comfort Solutions text line made a really, really good point earlier. If not for Baker, the Browns wouldn't have any fans outside of Cleveland. He has done a lot for that organization. No, he has. There's no doubt about it. Uh, no doubt about it. But I, I think, you know, you may have seen the end again on, uh, on Sunday. And I think what you hit on is also – Pretty important. Who knows what would have happened if he had had the surgery, right, earlier in the season? Could he have come back really late in the regular season? Do we know? Who knows? But he did. I I don't know if he made the decision, you know what, I'm going to show him how tough I am and I'm still going to play and uh, try to tough it out. You know, he's the guy who goes in the the tent and comes out, you know, and comes back out from the locker room and he's – he always seems ready to go, right? But was that a mistake on his part? I don't know. Well, I think it, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. And if Mayfield is playing well right now, he's getting, he's having a coronation in Cleveland, and everybody's slapping him on the back, saying, "This guy didn't have to play with the torn labrum. He could have undergone surgery and taken the easy way out, but." He fought through, and look at where yeah. he is today. So yeah. it was really, it really was a lose-lose situation that Baker Mayfield was put. A couple in. games like that, but think about the opportunity he had Saturday, Christmas Day against the team playing better football than anybody in the league right now, historic Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers. You know who's going to Canton as soon as his career is over. You know as soon as he can get in, he's going to be in. Broke Brett Favre's all-time Packers touchdown record in that game Saturday, and the Browns were this close, man. They were so close. If Baker makes a couple plays and they win that game, I mean, things could be so different. Sometimes it comes down to that one defining moment or game, and that was probably it for Baker. Well, that's what I was saying. I think if the outcome of that drive is different, Mm -hmm. if the Browns go and score and beat Green Bay at Lambeau, I think we're having an entirely different conversation. And particularly if Baker makes a play. It's not like a Nick Chubb run you know, for 50 yards to score. Now, that certainly would have helped the situation, no doubt, but if Baker makes a couple big throws and doesn't miss guys and doesn't get picked off, and there was clearly a P.I. on that last play, no doubt about it, but two of the throws were really bad. By the way, speaking of Browns fans, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they are uh, they are 
there a little bit irate. Let's hear from the irate Browns fan. This was uh, Rando on YouTube who is not happy with the Cleveland quarterback. Baker Mayfield, I speak for every fan of the Cleveland Browns across this world. Get surgery and get the f- out of Cleveland. You are absolutely a cancer and you are horrible at the game of football. You single-handedly, with your selfishness, insistence on playing through this stupid injury, have destroyed the Cleveland Browns season with your petulant, childlike antics. I need to play. It's my team. You should have went to coach and said, you can't play because Lord knows you suck. This injury has made you worse than you actually are, and you've killed our season. So get out of Cleveland you're not going to be here next year. Nobody, they're trading you. We're going to trade you to somebody because we're moving on from you. You're f-ing horrible. Ironically, that guy kind of sounds like Rex Ryan, too. <laughs> he kind of does, doesn't he? Our friend Kendall V, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, says, Are you guys calling for Baker's job? Sounds like you guys are turning on him. No, absolutely not. And I hope I've made it clear that... I really do believe Baker deserves better than the hand he's been dealt in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And he was put in between a rock and a hard place for really this entire season with everything that was going on around him from Odell Beckham to COVID-19 to yeah. the labrum surgery or no labrum surgery. No doubt, debate. no doubt. And but on top of that, he hasn't played well either he, in several occasions. He has not played well, no doubt. I still think he is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he should be starting somewhere and next you year. Are I don't him think the, that's going to be in Cleveland. You are giving him the starting job with the Steelers next season, right? We, uh, we Okay, here, here's who needs quarterbacks. Do, do the Dolphins need a quarterback? They're not selling no, Tua. No, no, no. I'm believing in Tua. Huh? I think the Dolphins are starting to believe in Tua, You too. think so? Yep. Okay. Um, I don't know if they're totally sold, but they're starting to be like the guy who's thinking about the car purchase, and he's like, okay, you know what? Maybe I will. Sleeper team worth watching here. Mm-hmm. And I know the Texans is the easy one just because, you know, Baker is a Texas guy originally. The Atlanta Falcons. At what point do they move on from Matt Ryan? Because God, don't go to a- the Falcons. That's just the most nondescript. I just don't like the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know. I mean, would I root for the Falcons? I'd have to turn into a freaking Falcons fan because I'm fair weather for the NFL. I root for players. I've been that way since I was a kid. I just never picked an NFL team. Switzer went to the Cowboys. I hated the Cowboys as a kid because you never got to see anybody else besides Dallas. Guess what? I ran towards the bandwagon and jumped right on it. Baker going to Cleveland, same thing. A lot of teams that could realistically make play, make a play for a guy. Okay, like uh, Carolina, New Orleans, Detroit. Are they Jared all Goff? possibilities? Uh, Washington football team. Yes, I would consider that a possibility. Uh, the Steelers, certainly, because we know Ben Roethlisberger is retiring. I, I just couldn't see that, but that would be. I don't know if you had a. Ch- okay, also Houston, Denver. What about Seattle? Because. Russell Wilson may be going somewhere It's obviously else. contingent upon where Russell Wilson ends up, if anywhere. And but Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's a, That whole saga with Aaron Rodgers is like waiting for Alabama to fall off, right? Mm-hmm. Every year you figure, okay, it has to happen this year, right? And it just never happens. And so, yeah, I, I'm going to operate under the assumption that Rodgers will be back in Green Bay. By the way, if you're Shailene Woodley, are you really happy that Aaron Andrews has given him a gigantic hug on national television? Are the sideline reporters supposed to hug players? No, I don't I, I don't think that is the proper decorum. 
No. At least in my experience. I've, I've never – I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't witness this. I mean, Chris so. Plank has never hugged, like, you know, over on the sideline – Baker Mayfield back in the day. He may have said good – I don't know, but Aaron Andrews completely like just with arms wide open like Creed. <laughs> Scott Stapp gave Aaron Rodgers a huge hug and stayed in the hug for at least two, three seconds. Wow. Subplots. The plot thickens. So anyway, Okay. Uh, by the way, Baker Mayfield was not happy with his performance either. This is what Baker said in the post game yesterday, uh, Saturday afternoon. Just frustrating. Uh, I don't think it was uh, anything preparation-wise, mentally. It was just uh, missed throws, uh, un- uncharacteristic, and I-, I hurt this team. So that's that's the most frustrating thing for me because I thought our defense played uh, tremendous against a really really good offense. Uh, but when you turn the ball over. Uh, on your own territory in the red zone and around midfield and give them extra opportunities, they're going to take advantage of it. I mean, uh, it's just uh, who they are. There you go. All right, one more Baker clip for you because, to me, that's that's uh, that's kind of the biggest story of the weekend because I think we probably wouldn't see the end of Baker Mayfield with the Browns uh, based on what happened over the weekend. Now, OU football, obviously, uh, 1A, and tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, right back to number one. But you uh, you like you some Shannon Sharp, don't you? <laughs> I love me some Shannon Sharp. Well, Shannon Sharp ripped into Baker this morning on Undisputed. Oh, boy. He didn't break news by saying he cost his team. Everybody knows he cost his team. I'm trying to figure out how is this flip where Baker throws 36 times and you run it 25 times, but yet you're getting nine yards every time you run the football, but you put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands. Baker was terrible. And he is the difference, Skip. This is what happened. Uh, he went 2 or 10 with four interceptions on throws 10 yards or more down the field. Three interceptions in the first half all led to Green Bay Packer touchdowns. So the points that they had in the first half came directly off the hands of Baker Mayfield. We've seen, this is what we've seen from Baker Mayfield. With first and 10 at the 50-yard line, with a minute left in the game, and you only need a field goal. Baker Mayfield with incomplete, incomplete interception. We saw this opening Sunday in Kansas City. We saw it against the Chargers. We've seen it over and over again. The moment he's positioned to say, okay, Baker has arrived, what does he do? Nothing. There you go. Kevin Stefanski does deserve a big part of the blame in that loss to Green Bay as well. No question. Three timeouts, and like Shannon Sharp said, they were averaging nine yards a carry. I mean, mean, that's one of the rare types of situations where you're running the two-minute drill, and it shouldn't mm -hmm. be all on the shoulders of the quarterback to get it done because you got three timeouts, you're running the ball very effectively. Keep the ball on the ground. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right, uh, our thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour here on uh, Steel Man and Thune on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Uh, the Ref Bowl Mania contest going on right now. It's brought to you by Cabins Construction Group for facilities maintenance, commercial remodeling, and carpet cleaning. Call Cabins today. Their number, 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. All right, coming back, one final segment. Taught a little hoops coming up next here on the ref. Baby, I'm not fooling.
This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Don't shoot it. All right, welcome back. Last segment for us, a little Franz Ferdinand. That was a big uh, Guitar Hero tune back in the day. Did you ever play Was it really? Guitar I never played Hero? Guitar Hero. Oh, you had to play uh, Rock Band was the one that really got crazy because you had the drum kits, the guitar, the vocalist, all of it. The greatest, uh, well, actually the worst vocal performance I've ever heard was a friend of mine trying to uh, do Danny California. Oh, man. How do you mess that up? Well, you're all, you get old and you can't sing along with Anthony Kiedis. He, I mean, Anthony quickly. Kiedis is barely singing in that song, though, right? But it's, like, kind of a, it's kind of a rap in many ways. Exactly. Like, and you don't even have to inflect. How many cool uh, white rappers are out there? Not many. Eminem. Eminem? That's about it. Would Mac Miller be a rapper? Uh, okay, yeah, good point. Um, Snow? I guess Post Malone is white. Yeah, I guess Post Malone is uh, has a little more variety, but yes. Informer by Snow. I mean, that's we should play that. Well, you're going to play Bullet the Blue Sky. That's your standard out, which I like, by the way. Okay, uh, so Marvin Mims today meeting with the media down in the Alamo Bowl, said, quote, I want to be back. He didn't say, I will be back. He said, quote, I want to be back. Let me translate. That means I'm waiting to see what Caleb Williams does before I make a final decision. How many other players besides Marvin Mims do you think are waiting on that decision? More, more than people think. I'll say that much. More than people think. Hmm. And you're talking about players on both sides of the ball or just on the offensive side of the no, ball? No, both sides. Caleb Williams, if he leaves, I, I just I can't see it, man. Unless unless there's a disaster in the bowl game and, like you said, he gets torn apart on social media, which I don't look. OU fans. They're smarter than that. They are. And there would, would be there would be a few idiots out there that would, you know, good riddance or whatever, but they want to keep this kid. And I think it's very important that they do keep him. Is it going to be earth-shattering, program-changing if he leaves? No, not in the long run. In the short term? Yeah. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> but I lo- also love what uh, Cale Gundy said. We're going to win a bunch of damn football games under Brent Venables. <laughs> yeah, he's not lying. They will. They'll win. I expect they'll be right back in the Big 12 championship You think game Cale Gundy year. feels like he was mule-shoed also? Yes, absolutely. But, yeah, but Cale Gundy. That's a program guy. It is a program guy. Just like Mike Gundy's a program, program guy at, in Stillwater, I think. Even though there was that story maybe that he would have been interested in the Florida job. Who knows? I think Gundy. I think if he wanted to leave, he would have left by now. To get more stuff. Yeah, I think what that's been a lot of what the Gundy stuff has been about. But Cale Gundy, man, he you talk about a Sooner through and through. Cale Gundy's that guy. And I think that, uh, you know, the good news, that there was no guarantee that Cale Gundy was going to be kept. But I think the fact that he worked on that staff with Brent helped quite a bit, no doubt. And uh, he's... 
he's a guy that you want on that staff, no doubt about it. So, and he'll be calling the plays coming up on Wednesday night. Okay, so Marvin Mims, um, again, quote, I want to be back. Not, I will be back. Mm-hmm. Woody Washington said yesterday, I'm coming back. Marvin Mims didn't go quite that far. And so, yep. man, how quickly do you think Caleb Williams makes that decision? I would not expect it immediately following the bowl game. I would expect it seven to ten days thereafter, I think. I mean, what if Oklahoma wins 55-14 to 14 and he he's the MVP and it's just <laughs> Gets on crazy. the mic and is like, I'm coming back. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not out of the question. I, actually, it is out of the question. That won't happen. He's not going to go, Sooner Nation, I'm back. Or, yeah, he's never left, but. The side-by-sides with him and Sam Ellinger oh, they'd be would never cease. That's right. All right, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, are you thinking about what you want to do for New Year's Eve? Here's a place that is going to be hopping, and you could win a bunch of money on New Year's Eve. $100,000 red carpet rollouts. The drawing is 6 to 1130 on New Year's Eve. And if 33 names will be called out, three every half hour, three patrons' names every half hour from 6 to 1130. So, so 33 possible uh, possibilities for you to hear your name called. And then they're doing four grand prize winners at just before midnight, including a super grand prize winner who's going to win at least $25,000 in cash and bonus play. So it's going to be a big night. They're giving away all that cash and bonus play. Somebody's going to win a huge jackpot. I can feel it on New Year's Eve. And you can go out there and have a great meal at the River Buffet on Steak Night, at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. Also, on Friday night, the food court's available. Riverwind, you know they're going to do it upright. Drink specials also uh, for New Year's Eve. So you'll have a great time out at Riverwind Casino on New Year's Eve. There you go. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, did we have anything last second on the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text yeah, line? Yeah, let's get to? see. 651-3439, by the way. Do you remember when Eli Manning was going to be drafted by the San Diego Chargers and he came out and emphatically said he would never sign with them and he ended up in New York? Yep. Nobody wanted to go to the Cleveland Browns. They hadn't won a game in two years, basically, and Baker embraced it. Mm, he, he deserves did. better. Yeah. I do think that's one of the reasons why he was picked number one, too. Not the biggest part of it, but it was a part of it that he came out and said, I'm the guy for the job. You know? That's right, he did. I forgot about that. He was like, I'm the guy, no doubt. By the way, someone on the Air Comfort Solutions text line did the math and said, Parker, you just divide 80 into your 40 times. So if you ran a 4.8 40, you were running 16.6 miles per yeah, hour. Yeah, congratulations. So, there we go. Like, I'm not convinced that I could run another 4.840 right now if we walked outside. But, like I said, 15. I feel like I could get to 15. I think I'm running about a 6-flat 40 right now. So what am I running miles per hour-wise? Uh, I don't know. Don't ask me to do math, Mike. I'm we'll, a try it. we'll try it uh, tomorrow. Somebody let me know. I think I'd run a 6-flat probably tear a hamstring or something in the process but that's probably what i'd run in that range the old man all right uh thank you again to the seth wadley auto group in paul's valley we got the rush coming up with teddy and tyler thank you for being here today we'll be back you know it is steel man and thune at noon so be here with us at noon i know you're going to be on the ref all day tomorrow like you always are right of course you are anyway have a great monday we'll see you tomorrow